Well, hey, I'm so excited to be here this morning to be sharing the word with you guys as Pastor Nate and Miss Gina are away. If you're a teenager, you've probably heard me plenty of times. You know you're tired of my voice by now. But this is the first time I get to be in big church with all the adults. Yeah. So you guys are brave for showing up today, but that's all right. We'll see how it goes. No, I'm so excited to be here. I'm thankful for all of you guys. Uh, I'm so thankful that Pastor Nate and Gina, they get some time to rest and relax. You guys see them all the time. They work so hard around here. They do so many things behind the scenes. So they're just taking a couple days off, taking a break. And we actually went with them for a couple of those days. We went with them down to Southern California to the happiest place on earth. You guys know what I'm talking about? What am I talking about? Yeah, church. Wait, what'd you, you say Disneyland? No, we went to church. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we went to Disneyland. We went down there. We had a really good fun time. How many of you guys are Disney people? You love Disneyland. Oh, she shot her hand up. How many of you guys are like, no, I hate Disneyland. The crowds are too much for me. <laughs> Mr. Billy in the back. The crowds are too much. That's not for me. All right. Some of you, you, you've lost the magic. You know, your hearts are a little hardened. That's okay. We'll pray for you. But hey, Kelsey and I, we love Disney. Our last day there, we got there before they opened, stayed till after they closed. We were there for like over 17 hours. One of my, yeah, we go hard, all right? One of my favorite things about Disney, though, what I love about it is when you walk into Disneyland or Disney World, there's no mistaking where you're at, right? Like when you get in there, you're in a whole new world. You get it? You get it? Whole new world? It's going to be a long sermon. No, you get to go there. You're in a whole new world. It's like the super immersive experience. And that's what I love about it. You can kind of just forget what's going on at home, forget what's going on at life. And for a little while, you're just in Disneyland and in Disney World. But life's not always the happiest place on earth, right? We were talking to a cashier at one of the restaurants there. And we're like, what, what time do you get off? He's like, 2 a.m. And she didn't seem like this wasn't the happiest place on earth for her. And I said, well, well, at least you get to be in the happiest place on earth, right? She said, well, not if you're working. That's just for the guests. If you're working, it's just work. And that's how life is sometimes, right? It's not always the happiest day. It's not always the happiest place. Sometimes in our lives, we go through some hurts. Sometimes we go through some pains. And often those pains, often those hurts can come by people that are supposed to be the people that love us. Supposed to be the people that are there for us. Supposed to be the people that are the ones who support us. But sometimes those that are closest to us can be the people that hurt us. And now we're going through, and Pastor Nate asked me to preach. I was praying about, man, what should I preach about? What should we talk about? And he suggested, and I thought it was a great idea, that we just preach of what we're preaching in youth groups so you guys get to see what our teens are learning. Right now we're going through a series called Justice for All. It's called Justice for All. We're going through this series. We're talking about some biblical aspects of what justice is. What does the Bible say justice is? What does it say that it isn't? And specifically today, we're going to be talking about what do we do when someone is unjust to us, when someone hurts us, when someone wrongs us, what are we supposed to do when we have that hurt, when we have that pain, when we have that baggage in our lives? And I was thinking back to a time of, of when I was hurt in my life by someone close to me. Someone close to my life, it kind of hurt me, something I still think about a little bit. Uh, I grew up, I'm the youngest of five boys, all right? I'm the youngest of five brothers, so I have four older brothers. So I've been hurt a lot, all right? I have four older brothers. So I got these four older brothers, but three of them are my half-brothers. So I've got two from my dad, one from my mom, and then I have one brother who's adopted. 
And I was the only brother, the only sibling at the time, living in the household where both of my parents were married. So we were all living there. That kind of created some friction sometimes, maybe some perceived favoritism, like I was the youngest one, the only one from the marriage. And sometimes that kind of boiled over. Well, I remember this one time. My brothers were outside with their friends playing football. Now, my brothers are a bit older than me. Like, the closest one to me is four years older than me. So they invited me to play football, and they never do this, right? And I'm just like the little brother. They never let me go outside and play with them. So they say, hey, you can come out. You can play some football. And I was so excited. I was going to go play with the big kids, play some football with the big kids. So I get out there. But the problem was, when I was like 12, 13, I was kind of short. You know, I was like maybe Pastor Nate's height, like a little shorter. <laughs> Don't tell them. Don't tell them. We'll delete that from the live stream, all right? I was a little shorter. I was a little chubbier. Like, I wasn't super athletic, but they invited me to go play with them, so I was going to go play. I was going to have a good time. So we're playing out there, and my family were super, super competitive. You guys come? Any of you guys competitive in here? Yeah, like, this might as well have been the Super Bowl. We're out playing in the parking lot, but it might as well have been the Super Bowl. So we're out there playing. We're going at it, and then we get to the final play of the game. Final drive of the game. I'm on my brother's team. And if we score, we're going to win, right? If we score a touchdown, we're going to win. So my brother's the quarterback. He goes back. He hikes the ball. I'm running out there. I'm the wide receiver. I'm going out, and I'm wide open in the end zone. Wide open. Nobody's guarding me. There's a reason why no one is guarding me. Couldn't catch a football. So I'm over there. I'm waving at my brother. I'm open. I'm open. And to my surprise, he threw the ball. He trusted me. He threw the ball to me. So I'm standing there, and then the ball comes toward me, and it bounces off my hands and onto the ground, and we lose the game. So I was there. I was hurt. My brothers finally let me play with them, and I messed up. Remember I said our family's a little competitive? So I was already hurting. I was already a little sad. Then I see my brother. I see, he's, like, he's like running towards me. And I see him running towards me, and he just tackles me onto the asphalt, like throws me down on the ground. He punches me in the chest. He's like, I can't believe you didn't catch that ball. So you don't deserve to have the same last name as me. I wish we weren't related. I wish you weren't my brother. As like a 13-year-old kid, <clears throat> that crushed me. And I still think back about it, and I try not to cry, but it hurt, right? I thought I was worthless. Like I couldn't play sports, so I was just a total loser, and I began to believe all these lies about myself. Now, now we can look back. It's kind of a funny story, right? We have a good relationship. We can talk about that story and laugh about it. But some of you, maybe been through some real hurts, maybe a little deeper than just some brothers roughing each other up, maybe some abuse, some real trauma in life. And what do we do when people hurt us, right? Not just a simple hurt like someone has road rage and they say something unkind to you, like someone you trust, someone who's supposed to be there for you hurts you, what are we supposed to do in those moments? How do we hold on to hope when that happens to us? Now, in youth Europe, we've been going over the life of a man named Joseph. You guys probably know this guy, are familiar with his story, all right? This guy, Joseph, he had 11 brothers. Can you imagine that? 11 brothers. He was the second youngest, so he had all of these older brothers. Not only that, a lot of his brothers were his half-brothers, came from different moms, and Joseph, you know, he was a little picked on. He had some issues with his brothers. Uh, his brothers really, they hated him. One of the reasons that their brothers hated Joseph 
was because Joseph was kind of the favorite in his family. And not just kind of, like his dad was super open about it. If you guys remember, what did they make, his, what did they make Joseph? You guys remember what his dad made for Joseph? Yeah, he made him a coat of many colors, right? He made him the special coat. And this would have been like a super luxurious coat back then. It had many colors in it. That means they had to buy all these dyes, put it in this coat. Like this was a designer, expensive coat that he bought just for his one son, not for his, any of his other brothers. Now, could you imagine? Imagine you're a parent. Imagine you're a brother or your sister. And your parent takes you out. And they're like, you're going to go to Nike. You're going to go to Adidas. And you tell one of your kids, you can buy the most expensive shoes in here. Like the newest Jordans, you guys can get it, whatever you want. So they buy those, those shoes, right? Then you take your other kid and you like go to Payless or you go to Ross. And you're like, all right, you guys can get something for 10 bucks. How many of you think that that would probably cause some friction in your family, some conflict? All right, so this is what happened. He obviously favored Joseph. He got on this fancy coat. But to make matters worse for Joseph, right, not only did his brothers already hate him, Joseph was a little bit of a dreamer. God gave him some dreams. And if you guys remember this, some of the dreams that God gave Joseph was that one day his brothers were going to bow down to him. Told him that one day Joseph's brothers were going to bow down to Joseph. Joseph was going to have some type of authority in their lives, even over his own parents, and that didn't go over too well with his brothers. Like, they weren't too happy that Joseph said that, hey, you guys are going to bow down to me one day. And he said it with a little bit of pride, all right? And so his brothers, they hated Joseph. They did not like Joseph at all. And that's where our story begins here today. Um, Joseph's father tells him to go and check out on his brothers. He says, go check on your brothers, see how they're doing. They're out in the field tending to the sheep. You know, they didn't have text message or FaceTime, couldn't just contact them. So Joseph had to go out there, talk to his brothers. So that's what he's going to do. So here he's going, he's going out to check on his brothers. Genesis 37, 18 says, they saw him in the distance and before he had reached them, um, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, Oh, look, here comes the dream expert. So now come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. We can say that a vicious animal ate him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. And when Reuben heard this, he tried to save him from them. He said, let's not take his life. Reuben also said to them, don't, don't shed blood. Throw him into the pit in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him, intending to rescue him from them and return him to his father. And when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off Joseph's robe, the long sleeve robe that he had on. Then they took him and they threw him into the pit that was empty and without water. So this is what happens, right? Joseph's brothers, they see him coming. Remember, he has his special coat on. They see him coming from like a mile away. And they see him wearing that coat. They see him walking towards them. And they've just got some angerness built up. Their dad has favored their brother. It hasn't been fair to them. They get so mad that when they see him, they want to kill him. That's how angry, that's how much they hated their brother. And so they see Joseph coming here. They're planning to kill him. But thankfully... He's got an older brother, right? And his older brother wasn't as mad. His name was Reuben. He says, no, we're not going to kill him. Let's just take him. We'll rough him up a little bit and throw him into this pit. There's this old dried up well. We'll just throw him in there. And then Reuben is planning to come back and get him later. So here's what happens. They sat down to eat a meal. You know, after beating Joseph up, they got a little hungry. They're like, oh, we need some food now. They sat down to eat a meal. And when they looked up, there was a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, and their camels were carrying aromatic gum and balsam and resin down to Egypt. 
Judah said to his brothers, what do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come on, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him, for, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When Midianite traders passed by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites who took Joseph down to Egypt. So his brothers, they have a change of heart. They're like, we can't, we can't kill him. He's our brother. I don't want to commit murder. So we're going to be really nice and we'll just sell him as a slave. So they take him and they sell him as a slave. And if you guys know the rest of the story, right? They take Joseph's coat. They dip it in some goat's blood. And they tell their dad, it's like, man, some animal ate him. We don't know what happened. We just found his coat. Joseph's gone. He's dead. If you guys think you've got some dysfunction in your family... I don't know if maybe you do, but it, Joseph's a pretty hard one to beat, all right? They had some dysfunction going on. His brothers wanted to kill him. They sold him as a slave. Joseph went through some hurt. Joseph went through some pain in his life. Now, another person who went through some pain in the Old Testament, who went through some injustice, was a man named David. If you guys know David from David and Goliath, well, this time he has been anointed to be the next king over all of Israel. So he's ready to be the next king. But there's someone out there who wasn't too happy that David was going to be the next king. Right? There's King Saul, who wasn't too happy that David was going to take his throne. So King Saul's over here. He's chasing after David. He wants to kill David. He's trying to hunt David down and kill him. And this is what David says in the midst of all that. In Psalm 138, 7 and 8, he says this. If I walk into the thick of danger, you will preserve my life from the anger of my enemies. You will extend your hand, your right hand will save me, and the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Lord, your faithful love endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. Now both Joseph and David faced some great injustices in their lives. They both had people that were trying to kill them, that were trying to find them, hunt them down, and kill them. But if you follow their lives... You'll find out that later on, David becomes a man after God's own heart. He becomes king over Israel, one of the best kings there was. And Joseph comes over. He becomes the second most powerful man in Egypt. And God blesses their life throughout that whole walk. But even though there was so much hurt in their life, even there was so much pain and injustice that happened to them, they were still able to walk with God. And that's because their foundation was in Jesus. That their foundation was in God. And they trusted him no matter what the circumstances had. No matter how much hurt, no matter how much pain they've been through, they knew that they can trust in God. Now, that's easier said than done, right? We can just be like, so trust in God, that's what they did, and let's go home. Those are really easy things to say, just trust in God when we're hurt, but in the moment, it's not that easy. In the moment when we're hurt, when someone does that to us, when we look around this world and we see all of the injustice that's going on, it's so hard to hold on to hope even when there is injustice. So how do we do that? There's three simple ways, three ways that we can do that to hold on to hope, and then we'll be done. Number one, the first way that we can learn to hold on to hope, even when we've been hurt, is to focus on the truth. To focus on the truth. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. 
we can hold on to hope when we focus on the truth. This is what happens when we're hurt, right? Maybe someone hurts us in your life, and we just go, man, they're just like the worst person ever. They shouldn't be alive. I don't want them to be alive. Well, that's not necessarily the truth. Maybe they made a mistake. Maybe they just hurt you on accident. Or we think this. We think this. Well, I'm never going to get close to anyone ever again. Like, I've been hurt. This person hurt me. I'm just going to isolate myself. I'm never going to talk to anyone because the world, the world's just out to get me. Everyone wants to hurt me. No one wants to help me. And we start believing these lies. One of the ways that we can hold on to hope is to focus on the truth, to dwell on that which is true, that there are people out there, there are people in this church that love you, that care about you. If you start believing these lies like I did of my brothers when he said that to me, if I'm unworthy, God says you're worthy. He says that I'm not good enough. No, through Jesus Christ, I am good enough because of what he's done for me. One of the ways that we can hold on to hope, even through hurt and pain, is to focus on the truth. The second thing that we can do is to remember that God is able to redeem evil for good. Remember that God is able to redeem evil for good. Romans 8.28 says this, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Now this verse doesn't say that you'll never get hurt in life. Right? This verse doesn't say that people aren't going to hurt you. We live in a sinful world where unfortunately hurt and pain are going to happen. But God says that those hurts and those pains are going to work out for good in the life of those who are seeking after and serving him. When you think of the injustice that Jesus was crucified on a cross, that they literally killed the son of God, that they killed Jesus, they hung, up on, hung him up on a cross, the greatest injustice that has ever happened in our world. But God took that injustice, and he redeemed it by raising Jesus from the dead. And because of that, that's why all of us here are here today. We've trusted him as our Savior, and we can have hope knowing that we have an eternity in heaven when we accept Jesus as our Savior. And he took this atrocity of the murder of his own son, and he turned it into something beautiful. He turned it into hope in our lives. And if he can do that in the life of Jesus, he can do that every single day and every hurt in our life. And that he'll take that pain, that suffering, and he'll use it for good. You know, we often begin to doubt God. We think, man, God wouldn't do this if he loved me. God wouldn't have let this happen to me. God wouldn't have let this person in my life if they were going to hurt me like this. God must not love me. Well, that's us believing the lie. We need to remember that, no, no, God's greatest power isn't that, he's, that he just stops all bad things from happening. We can do that to an extent, right? You can shield your children and protect your children, but you can't take something evil and make it good like God can. One of the greatest powers that God has is that he can take an evil, horrible situation and use it for good in your life. We can hold on to hope by focusing on the truth. We can hold on to hope by remembering that God can redeem evil for good. And we can hold on to hope by number three, by asking for help. Now, this might sound like a simple one, but it's something that we often don't do, to reach out to help. Galatians 6.2 says this, Carry one another's burdens, and this way you fulfill the law of Christ. As Pastor Nate was talking to us last week about the church. He's talking about what the church is, what's, what should the church be doing. Well, this is one of the things that we do as a church. 
There are people in the church who are there to carry those burdens with you. We had Myron up here talking about Celebrate Recovery. That's a group of people who are there to be there for each other, to keep each other accountable, and to help each other through those hurts and through those pains. We have all kinds of growth groups in here to plug in and get involved in the community within our church so that you can have people who will be there for you to carry those burdens. And right, we all have the pride and the temptation to be like, no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to white knuckle it, fight my way through it. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. And when we reach out for help, we have people who are there that care for us. It's one of the ways that we can hold on to hope, knowing that there's people who love God and love us and are going to help us through this. So if you're not involved in a growth group, if you're not really plugged into our church, I want to encourage you for this very reason, you need that community. You need people that are going to pour into your life and that are going to help you as you try to walk and follow God, even through those pains and hurts in your life. Now in life, we may never be able to fully avoid injustice. Right? We can't fully avoid hurt. We can't fully avoid, avoid cruelty for, from other people. But if we focus on what's true, on what God said is true, if we remember that God can redeem those hurts, and look for ways that he's going to use those for good in our lives. And if we're willing to go out and ask for help, we can hold on to hope even when there's hurt in our lives. So maybe you're here today and you've got some hurt, you've been hurt, or you're going to be hurt in the future, all right? If you guys need some help after service, we're going to have people up at these banners, prayer, next steps, where you can go and get some prayer for that hurt. Where you can go and maybe sign up for a growth group so you can get plugged in in a community of people that will help you. And if you're holding on to those hurts, I hope these three points will help you today to focus on those things. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much 